radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. Like waking up with a major crick in the neck, this is Table Talk Radio. And I speak crick. as one with experience. Oh, man, a lot. You got the crick in the neck? And I thought, yeah, and I thought, this is like Table Talk Radio. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honey, can you rub the table talk radio? I got a what a pain out of my in the neck. neck. Anyway, I am Pastor Evan Gigline, and I'm here with Pastor Wolfmiller, who has done all hey. of the show prep for today. Dang, have I ever? This I in fact didn't do any show prep. This is this is the Peter Brown show right here. This is the show prepared by Peter <laughs> Brown, who said, "Hey, could you do some praise crunching and some listening to Hollywood?" and handed me a list of songs. And you were like, if you're going to be doing some show prep, I will definitely do that. I thought uh, if you could give me a, if he could give me a buzz, I wouldn't have to think at all. <laughs> Outsourcing thinking. Half my, yes. Half. Loving it. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, we start with buzzwords. So what's your buzzword for today's show? My buzzword is confessor of the faith. I learned this studying the story of St. Nicholas, which is a fascinating story. Nick, Saint Nicholas was born in Myra. He li he bridged the gap of the Edict of uh, Milan. So Edict of Milan is in thir three thirteen. That's when Constantine, Emperor of the Roman Empire, made Christianity a legal religion. And before that, it was illegal, persecuted in various ways. The last persecution is sometimes called the Great Persecution, which began under Diocletian in the year two fifty. So I think St. Nick was born just before that, like 246 or something. Anyway, so he grew up during the time of persecution. He was arrested for confessing his faith. He had his eye poked out. They beat him and broke his leg. So he walked with a limp his whole life. But then comes the Edict of Milan, and then not that long afterwards, 12 years later, the Council of Nicaea, where they got to go fight against the Arians who were teaching that Jesus wasn't God. And that's where St. Nick famously stood up and slapped Arius in the face and was censured for it. Um, but St. Nick, because he was tortured for the faith but wasn't martyred for the faith, he has the title confessor. So that's someone who was arrested during time of persecution and tortured but did, wasn't killed for their faith. All right. So confessor of the faith is your theological buzz phrase. All right. Uh, give me a letter, A to Z. Oh, yeah, this game. Uh, oh, yeah. Z. You did that last time, I think. I don't remember. Okay. Why? Okay. <laughs> okay. My theological buzzword for you is Yahweh. <laughs> How can you make fun of me for not doing show prep? <laughs> what? You have apparently 23 more shows until you run out of letters. 
All right, oh. Yahweh. Uh, actually, so <laughs> Yahweh actually says see tetragrammaton, which uh, is a little bit different. But anyway, um, the tetragrammaton is the um, the what the 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 phrase the the word in Hebrew that is to denote Yahweh. Now the thing is that the uh, Jews were uh, pious enough to say that we don't even want to. Uh, say that word there's there's no vowel markings in it so to utter this word into uh, a human language would be to mispronounce the word so they would um, not say it they'd actually substitute it with say Adonai as they would read it Um, but but you have uh, in it then Yahweh which is uh, the name of God so this is oftentimes in the English when you come across in the Old Testament the word Lord but it is in a Small caps, some of the translations, most of the translations do this. There's a small caps word. Well, that's saying that the Hebrew word there is is Yahweh. But when you come to the word Lord, that is a capital L, lowercase O-R-D, then it's uh, probably the word Adonai in, uh, in Hebrew. So uh, Yahweh is your theological buzzword. So if you if you dare to utter the holy name of God... It is a thing now. You can tell the modern the modern scholars or the modern biblical exegetes or whatever they like to say Yahweh all the time. Um, the older guys had a piety, and they and I think they got it from the writers of the New Testament. When you look at w- w- so you you have the divine name, which as you mentioned was written there, but it was spoken Adonai, and so it was translated as. Lord, whatever the word Lord is in the language you're translating into. So Lord, all caps, that's the divine name. Or God, all caps, that's also divine name, just depending on the usage. And um, and when that gets translated into the New Testament, they take they don't translate the divine name, but they translate the word Lord. So kurios is the Greek word for Lord, and it's in all of the New Testament translations of the Old Testament texts with that thing. So it seems like there's a there's a piety that would that would say Lord and not pronounce the divine name that is embraced by the New Testament. I'm not sure that if we can make a rule out of it, but I think it's it's a good custom. So if people don't necessarily want to pronounce the divine name, I'm not going to force them. Okay. Uh, so give us the the Peter Brown lineup. Hey, so Peter Brown says, could you? Cr-, this is on the back of his poinsettia order form. Uh, could you crunch these praise songs? And he's got three, all by a, a band called Beautiful Eulogy. And then uh, one is starred called Doxology. Would like best if you could use this. And then he's got Preaching to Hollywood, songs by NF. And the one that he has preferred here is Intro 3 by NF. I don't know I don't know that either. So so we're going to try to, uh, we're going to do some praise songs and some Preaching to Hollywood for from uh, Peter Brown. Awesome. So let's do that. We'll we'll do the praise song first, but before we actually dive into the song, um, supposing someone is hearing this for the first time, which is a very likely occurrence since no one listens twice, right. uh, tell us what is the praise song cruncher all about? The praise song cruncher is a tool that we invented to discern the usefulness of a praise song, noting that oftentimes the problem is not false doctrine, but rather mysticism. So we have five questions for the praise song cruncher. Number one, as Jesus mentioned, if so, is it by name or by title, uh, by reference, or is he directly mentioned? That helps you know if it's a Christian song or not. Number two is, is it mystical in form? Is it very repetitive? Does it repeat itself? Does it have a lot of repetitions? 
<laughs> Aren't you going to laugh? Oh, that was very repetitive, what you were just saying. Ha, ha, ha. Don't. Where's your laugh track? That's your laugh track. Ha, ha. Uh, does it does it work in sentence fragments? That's one of the chief. Uh, that's one of the chief marks of a, a mystical form. Is that it has sentence fragments, not full sentences? Third question is: Is it mystical in content? Is it over emotional? Does it talk about uh, the internal connection between the Christian and God? Does it talk about these mystic metaphors like the spark flying out of the fire or being lost in the ocean, being absorbed, or experience this direct, immediate? experience of God. Number four, does it rightly distinguish between law and gospel? Number one, does it have law? Does it have gospel? Are they both taught? Are they rightly divided? And then five is the catch-all. Is there any other false doctrine not otherwise mentioned? That is the praise song cruncher. All right. Sounds good. So uh, let's listen to this song called Doxology by Beautiful Eulogy and be listening for, first of all, the name of Jesus. So, so far, Jesus is not mentioned. <laughs> Give him a chance. Sometimes people fast forward to the intro. Not me. I want the whole effect. Yeah. No, no. You the yeah. We got to get into the mood of the song. That's the song "Doxology" wow. by Beautiful Eulogy, um, and the good news is I'd like you to I'd like you to take the second stanza and wrap that second stanza for me. Yeah, for, not for me, sorry, for their audience. Ah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, oh, here's the, oh bummer. We're out of time. I was just getting ready to, <laughs> to throw that down, but let's take a quick break and then we'll be uh, running this song through the you praise song cruncher. <laughs> No. <laughs> Throw it down. <laughs> Sounds right. All right. If you have praise songs you want us to crunch, send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org or you can give us a call 1 800 385 SOLA. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio, a radio show that gives the opportunity to cope with disappointment week after week. 
So I've kicked up the Wolf Mueller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway... If you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolf Mueller. Wolf Mueller 1 is the channel name. See you there. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're doing the Praise Song Cruncher on this song, Doxology, by... Uh, who's this? Uh, beautiful eulogy. Almost forgot. Okay, so um, we're gonna run, ask some questions of I this. I think you song. actually did forget, and you looked at it. It's true. So I think that doesn't count as almost. For, I think that counts as actually forgetting. I almost forgot to just, find out how sure. to. Okay. Anyway, uh, so is Jesus mentioned? <laughs> yeah. So this is interesting. We we were talking in the break about how like rap and heavy metal do better on the praise song cruncher than most other genres. And Evan made the fine, fine point. I'm gonna I'm gonna make Hold that on. point for you now. Hold you, on, let me let me hit record. You're gonna make the Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Evan you, you... made the fine point. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan finally made some fine I'm, point on the show. I'm I'm collecting sound bites for the next show that we don't actually have you here for. <laughs> and that was that. Well, of course, the rap and the heavy metal do better because nobody's getting into a mystical trance listening to the headbanger heavy metal songs. Oh, well, you haven't been over to the house the lately. The- apparently. <laughs> You and Mandy? Oh yeah, Just cranking up like the the buckets of the blood of Jesus or whatever those guys mm-hmm. are called, or like all this. It's like anyway. <laughs> Whoa! Look at that trance that guy's in. Now here, this I mean, this, this song is um, it has the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. The standard doxology is really kind of great, and then it has a stanza of rap. It doesn't repeat itself at all. It uses sentences. It's got this. Somewhat sophisticated rhyme scheme. I like it how the lines you have the in you have the internal rhymes and you have the rhymes at the end and they don't all match up and you move from one line to another and it's kind of I just kind of like the way that's going. I I got I this when I when I'm listening to Christian music most of the time, it's either some of the nostalgic stuff from the early '90s that I used to listen to when I wandered around the world, or it's it's like it's this Christian rap. Hannah and I went to do some college visits, and we went and we were listening to uh, Andy Minio the whole time. I really I kind of like that guy; he's kind of silly. Anyway, this Christian rap stuff. So, any Oregon schools on the list? Uh, no, no. Do you guys have colleges up there? <laughs> yeah, she can major in uh, in uh, what's that called? Organic uh, growing. Um, <laughs> I we don't, know what you're talking we don't have big fancy words out here. We just. <laughs> Or get it. How do you grow the pot inside? <laughs> That's the class. <laughs> we don't want to get caught. Hydroponics. Ah, that's it. That's it. That's my buzzword. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like. So uh, what, is, what is she looking to major like, in? Hydroponics. You go to Oregon and it's like, I'm going to study uh, uh, lesbian critique of postmodernism. You're like, what? <laughs> 
Isn't that what she I, wants to major in? Hannah wants to study nutrition, which I think is kind of cool. I'm sure there are plenty of schools in Oregon that have a nutrition major. Yeah. I think she should expand her horizons. She could be closer to her grandparents. That's true. Uh, I think um, California and New Mexico are on the list mostly. So she wants to go somewhere where it's sunny. Um, Oregon, known for the sun. So here are the words. I will offer a sacrifice of praise. I know it's going to cost me. The cost is not greater than the cross where you bought me. I was lost and you sought me. I was ignorant. You taught me. I was impotent against my enemies. You fought for me. I exist for your glory, never for mine. I never would shine if it wasn't for your spirit inside. You made me alive when I was dead in trespasses. The passion of Christ left my sin in the past tense. Every good, every perfect gift comes from your hand. You set uh, me back on course when I run from your plan. No excuse to refuse to lift my voice because the gospel is true. There's always reason to rejoice. And that don't mean that my sorrow is inconspicuous, but when I grieve, I got a greater joy in the midst of it, the joy knowing I will see you face to face. It's all the praise of your glorious grace. And then second verse by Odd Thomas, which is a cool name. Isn't that your brother's oh, name? Odd Thomas. I'm going to start calling him that. <laughs> His name is Very Odd Thomas. I'm just going to drop the very. Oh, God, full of glory and grace, open in me a fountain of faithful praise. Let it flow from the depths of my heart like great lakes. Let my soul be the sweetness that spread its fragrance. Save me from the love of the world that you created more than the God whose beautiful hands made it. Break me from the pride and consecrate me. Make me feel the weight of my sin, sorrow, and safety. Let me, I'm not sure what that means. Let me sing with the saints of your great salvation and join in the song of all creation. Let the winds obey, the oceans wave, the mountains cave. Let every star you place display grace. That's strange. Let my speech do the same as the skies proclaim. Let everything that has life and breath bless your name. Let the earth be the stage where all creation aims to heaven in endless praise and adoration. I like the first stanza by Braille or Braley uh, better than the second one by Thomas. That so so I don't. That's two. Two different, very different beasts here in this uh, in this song, uh, in there. So, speaking of Odd Thomas, whatever happened to the runoff election? Ah, he lost. They, the the uh, provisional ballots came in, and so he was he didn't he didn't win school board. So he endorsed another person in the runoff and got himself in big trouble. <laughs> he because he said he he said they shouldn't have super PAC money or they shouldn't have PAC money in a in a Midland school district. <laughs> Oh. And, and and everyone's like, hey, we got to have all the pack money. So he was going to start his own pack called the Wolf Pack, which is going to be a pack <laughs> against packs. I'm just amazed he didn't win because you gave an endorsement, didn't you? I know. I thought I was going to I would think all of the listeners in um, that county or that school district would be definitely I – mean, I just think that you would have – won the election for him so I, I would have too that surprises me. i'm surprised that i don't have it's like me and taylor swift you know like taylor <laughs> swift had all these endorsements and none of them won like she endorsed beto o'rourke or whatever and you just think that celebrity endorsements like me and taylor swift would have more influence on the electorate albert Mueller talked about that in fact but that's n neither here nor there uh all right so what, what are you talking about this is important <laughs> well he was talking about whether celebrities have an influence on elections. I, I heard him say that, and he made this point that celebrities have a huge influence over issues, but not a big influence over individual campaigns. Yeah. That's a fascinating point. It really is. Now, uh, we should not let the celebrities know that, though. So all of you celebrities, you can just... 
pretend like you didn't hear that. All right. So what's, what do we look at first, mystical content or mystical form? Well, it's, it's kind of hard to find mystical form in a rap, although this, this second verse doesn't. He's kind of bouncing around all over the place. Uh, I don't know if listening to it, it would it would smooth it out so you could get what he's saying, but it's a little bit choppy. But uh, I would say let's go to mystical content. All right, let's look at it. Um, you made me alive when I was dead. My trespasses. See, this is this is talking a lot about the work and action that Christ actually does. It is. And it does talk about the result of it. Like, uh, this doesn't mean that my sorrow is inconspicuous. So I say, just because I have the forgiveness, it doesn't mean I don't sorrow over sin. I still have sorrow. But my I, even, my grief is not compared to the joy that I have in the gospel. So this, it captures really well, in fact, the two at this first verse, the two parts of repentance. Sorrow over sin, and then faith and and trust in the forgiveness of sins, the promise of forgiveness, which is really quite nice. Indeed. Uh, is there anything in this that uh, lends itself towards mystical content, or is it all... Well, in the second verse, it's, in the second verse, there's a theological confusion. It's, it's trying to... It's, it's, it's keying on the idea of doxology, and that all of creation is brought into the praise of God. But I, I think there is some confusion about the natural revelation of God and the and the special revelation. So we know that natural revelation is the things that we know about God from nature, both internal and external, so from creation and from conscience. And from those things we know that God is good, big, and mad. That's the content of natural creation. We don't know about the Holy Trinity. We don't know about redemption. We don't know about the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. We don't know the gospel from natural revelation. And yet the Bible does talk about creation being brought into the praise of God, especially in the resurrection and stuff. Um, but it's just so it has a little bit of confusion i think about that so um uh, it's it does say break me from pride that's good consecrate me that's good make me feel the weight of my sin sorrow and safety i don't know what that's talking about so it could be sorrow and safety could be his the two parts of repentance so contrition and faith sorrow and safety that might be let me sing with the saints your great salvation. Join in the song of all creation. Let the winds obey, the oceans wave and mountain. This is where it kind of breaks into this psalmic uh, enlisting creation to praise God. But I'm just not sure it's quite clear enough what's going on in this last part. Hmm. So so it, it breaks apart a little bit in that uh, you have a lack of clarity, which um, I, I don't know that... So, so sometimes there's an intentional lack of clarity, and sometimes there's an unintentional lack of clarity. Uh, because sometimes having a lack of clarity is given over for the purpose of mysticism, as the Praise Song Cruncher was designed to root out. Sometimes people, I think, are just trying to be poetic or mm-hmm. ha- has uh, lack of uh, skills in English grammar <laughs> uh, to be able to be Precise, And so uh, one of the things that we should notice, though, is that when we start to when the clarity starts to to break apart, you're no longer dealing with objective statements, objective truths or even assertions. And that's where um, the mystic can insert their own interpretation and their own experience into this uh, picture that's created rather than a actual truth statement. Yeah. Yep. That's right. But I don't. So. I don't know if it's I don't think it's mystical in form here. I just think it's 
just probably a confused doctrine. I mean, it's you could you could understand it rightly, but I think you'd have to really do some theological work to get there. Okay. Well, we're going to finish up this crunch uh, after the break, and then we're going to be doing some preaching to Hollywood, uh, looking at some songs by NF. That's Table Talk Radio after this break. This is Table Talk Radio. The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. There is light at the end of the tunnel halfway through the show. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And we are just finishing up a crunch of doxology by beautiful eulogy. I remembered that time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all right, so you, we've we've talked about whether Jesus is mentioned. We've talked about mystical content and form. Now is the question: Is there is there uh, law and gospel rightly divided? See, so here's an example. Let every star you placed display grace. I don't. I don't. We might be getting a little bit kind of, you know picky here because i think this song is actually doing pretty good but it's not that the stars are proclaiming the glory of god not the grace of god that's the difference anyway uh what was the question you were asking about law and gospel yeah. there's some law and gospel in here and repentance uh, kind of shaken out by contrition and faith i i mean i think that's pretty good okay what about any false doctrine i don't i mean aside from what we talked about getting a little loose on on the on the the proclamation of of creation what creation preaches other than that it's pretty close all right well peter i think you can see this as the closing hymn at uh, hope luther on sunday It'd be di- a little bit difficult you probably want a soloist <laughs> peter if you want to be the soloist of hope lutheran on yeah <laughs> all right so now let's take a look at this song um intro 3 uh, what do we do with uh, Preaching to Hollywood? What's the purpose of that? Oh, yeah, the Preaching to Hollywood it means we look at the song, the hit pop songs, and we listen to it, and we say, what worldview is being expressed? What is the human condition, where we came from, where we're going, what's the problem, what's the solution, and so forth? And then we listen for, how, how would you how would you speak to someone who, how would you speak to the artist of this song? How would you speak to the person who's, for whom the lyrics are an expression of their inner life and what's going on in their heart and conscience. That's the idea for the preaching to Hollywood. All right, well, let's see what this song sounds like. Embarrassing. 
If it wasn't for me, you would have never wrote therapy. I've been here for you, but I could be never there for me. It's a little bit twisted, but I miss when you and I had scary dreams. I don't really want to talk about it. Well, it's too bad now, Nate. Shut up. Now, where were we? Oh, back in the day when you and I had it all mapped out in the basement. Kind of your room like a baby. I wish mom was here. We all do, so we wouldn't have to hear about it. Every single record, you don't really want to change me. Yeah, I'm the one that made this happen. Do you really want to get rid of your main attraction? Let's pack our bags and go back to Gladwin now. Yeah, it's time for the third record, and you know I got the content. I don't want to make you nervous. But it ain't like it used to be And we got a lot of people watching You told me that you don't want me in your life That's pretty hard to digest And I told you I leave when we die And we ain't died yet Therapy session was beautiful, Nate But I'm wondering what's coming next Yeah, get that stupid ad off of your head But I'm talking to you You hear what I said? You don't like the prison I built you? Yeah, you wanna know what the funny thing is You keep on talking to me like a stranger But we've been together since you were a kid Yeah, took from a no name Told you everything was okay Now you trying to come me out of it Like I ain't never been a Part of it, I ain't the heart of it, I made this whole thing Yeah, put us on the dope stage You must have no brain What's the point of having guns if you can't aim? What's the point of having blood with no veins? What's the point of having love with no veins? What I'm saying is me without you doesn't make any sense I know I'm intense and controlling But you need to learn how to cope with it That's just the way that it is Alright, that's a pretty good taste of the song Intro 3 by NF Alright, so, yeah, I mean, it does Um, Another, I don't know, does it, I wonder what this has got to count as like, uh, I think it's rap. I yeah, know. I think we're getting a, a, a glimpse into the genre taste of uh, Peter Brown here. Yeah, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> he he makes a note in his little thing that this is a conversation between NF and fear. Oh, that's a good insight. So it's talking about what are you scared of? Me? It's embarrassing. So now we got to think about that a little bit. So. Th- th- um, so Peter's done some work for us, if he's right, that this is fear talking to the guy and saying, hey, you and me have been friends your whole life. You're, I'm the reason you wrote that thing. I built you a prison, and it's, it's where your fame comes from. Now you want to get rid of me? You don't want me in your life? You don't want fear around anymore? Yeah, right, because you're nothing without me. So what's so that it's asking it's it's meditating on this question. What's the role of fear in life? What's the role maybe of fear in art? Mm. But more, but more generally, what's the role of fear in life? Which I think is a fascinating question because mm-hmm. it's our fears go right down to the fundamental thing of of what we are. Uh, that that we are we are made to basically fear and love and trust. That what that is what a human being is created for by God. But we are made to fear, love, and trust God. But there's all these things that say, "I want your fear, I want your love, I want your trust." And, and and this is what the false gods will do, right? They'll say, hey, this is what you should fear. This is what you should trust, or this is what you should love. And I think in some ways each of the different idols and false gods will be will have one of those categories. Like um, it's it's hard to trust death, but to fear death. Hmm. So, so death, when death comes to present itself as a false god to us, it says you should worship me. Death wants to be worshipped by fear. Whereas, like money, for example, wants to be worshipped by love. Now, I mean, or or by, maybe by trust, even more. Now, they they can have elements of all of them in them, but you know, di- the different idols have a different form that they want to be worshipped, and it's especially pain and death that want to be worshipped by fear. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, so that we might say, okay, where are some things that people fear, maybe even legitimately fear, it would be like I don't know walking in a dark alley and a guy comes out with a gun and and that happens and you'd be afraid you'd be you'd have fear 
Uh, but I mean, if we if we think of things theologically, what what can that guy with a gun do to you? That could be the worst ever. Well, they could end your life, but that's all he could do, right? I mean, uh, our our Lord says, "Don't fear him who can kill the body, but him who can uh, kill body and soul in hell." Um, and, and then, or you think of. Um, you know, if you're in a boat and there's a hurricane or something, that you'd have fear. But again, what is the worst that that hurricane can do to you? Uh, so I think when we see that there's a connection between uh, our sin and that we would have misplaced fear, um, there's something wonderful about these words that come from uh, the angel and also from Jesus himself when he comes along and says, do not fear. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so there's, that's, that's like a, a little mini absolution or a little bit of gospel to say you have nothing to fear, though you might be in this boat and facing, uh, facing the possibility of death, you still have no fear for I am with you. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. There's this, um, Hebrews 2 tells us about when it talks about how Jesus took on flesh and blood so that through his death he might destroy him who had the power of death. And then there's this incredible insight into the devil and into us in the next verses. And he would, and by his death he would set free those who their whole life had been subject to, to the bondage of the fear of death. So that fearing death in particular is a slavery to the devil. <laughs> so when we're afraid to die, the devil has us in bondage. And the, one, of the, one of the effects of the gospel is that we are set free from that particular bondage to the fear of death. So that, remember, Jesus says, whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin. Whenever you worship anything that's not God, you're a slave to that thing. Every false god wants to enslave us, and death wants to enslave us by fear. And that, that's one of the things that the gospel sets us free. This is, why, this is one of the reasons why we have the heroes of the martyrs and the confessors of the faith. Well, that's my buzzword for you. Oh. It's one of the reasons why we have this, the, the hero stories of the martyrs and confessors of the faith is that here we see guys who were not afraid to die, and we said that now is what it means to be a Christian. There's a fearlessness of death. We know we're going to die, but we're not, a, we're not afraid of it because we know that it's appointed for man once to die and then to be judged, but our judgment has happened already on the cross. God has judged us to be righteous and holy so that there's no sting of death anymore. The strength of sin is... The strength of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. How does that go? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But praise to be to our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us the victory, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. So, so that now the sting of death is gone, and we live a life. We don't want to die unless it's time, but we don't have, we don't have to fear death. This is the, one of the marks of the freedom of the children of God. Uh, there's probably a lot more to this song. It probably goes in some some different directions, but uh, if we just kind of take that as the the premise of this entire song, uh, how do you um, how do you talk to the songwriter here t- uh, about about fear? I mean, suppose this guy sitting next to you on on the train or something like that. How, what do you talk about? Yeah, it's, well, it I do this. You know, when I was doing the Man on the Street interviews this last summer, one of the questions I would ask is, "What do you love? What do you trust? What do you fear?" What do you fear most of all? Because you really get to say, and and when you're talking about what people fear, you're really, you're really getting close to the stuff that surrounds their heart and their conscience. So that's really, it's really, it's a good conversation to have. What are you afraid of? Uh, there is a way that this song is meditating in some ways on the, the, the good thing of fear because it drives us a little bit. There's a way that, there's a way that, that we. 
there's a I don't know I don't know what we there's a healthy fear like I fear here's a here's just to think about this like I fear disappointing my family my my kids my wife my parents I I I what fear about your, being a dis- your co-host or your listeners no I'm, I haven't <laughs> I maybe should be a little more afraid of that sometimes <laughs> never even thought about it actually now that you mention it. <laughs> I should. I, I feel. I don't want to be a disappointment to them. I want them to be proud of me. So that there's a there's a way that that uh, fear can uh, motivate us rightly. It's maybe it's part of honor mm-hmm. or respect. But but we but you, it's got to be kept in proportion. We don't. We certainly don't fear that more than we fear God. We net. We want. We want that sort of thing to push us to love and not to sin. Well, that we can kind of correlate to love where we are to love our family but to love God more Uh, so I think the same could be said about fear. We need to take a break and we'll kind of hash this out on the other side. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We've been talking about fear. Uh, this is an amazing oh, thing. So that we think about uh, the fear that exists in the Garden of Eden after the first sin. You remember this? Uh, so I, I think Luther has this interesting uh, quote, I think in the Genesis commentary, if I'm not mistaken. You would probably know better than I would. Uh, but well, he, There's a good chance. <laughs> but he talks about after the fall, you know, Adam and Eve uh, cover themselves with, uh, with uh, fig branches and whatnot. And, and I think he says something like that that they would have uh, been terrified at the sound of a, a of a worm wrestling on a leaf. Ah, uh, so Luther so the, likes to talk about that. There's a verse in um, Numbers that he loves to quote that says the enemies they fe- they run from the sound of the shaking leaf, hmm. and, th- and th- so it's one it's one of the things when the Lord hands us over to terror hmm. and to, and to be afraid of things that aren't fearful. Uh, that's that that's a sign of a bad conscience. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like these people who. Maybe get away with a crime. They're they're running from the cops. You know they're on the 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 most wanted list or something like that. And they're on the uh, lamb. That's what we say. The lamb. The lamb. I wonder why you say that. You're on the lamb. That means you're on the run from the popo. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm I'm not in those circles, so I don't really know the vocab, the lingo. But uh, Pastor Wolfman there will the enlighten us. Yeah, that's the word for it, lamb. <laughs> uh, tell the brothers hi for me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> it's lamb with no B on the L A M on the oh, lamb. Okay. All right, but but I mean, so sometimes these people just kind of go crazy because they think that be every behind every aisle at the grocery store is a cop waiting to tackle them or something like that. They just turn themselves in because they've had enough of uh, being on the lamb. You know what I mean, right? You know what I'm talking uh, about. Uh, Pick up what I'm throwing down. Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> it's a bad conscience. It's a. It's, I was reading Crime and Punishment, that thing, by Dostoevsky the other day. When, by the other day, I mean like four years ago. And that's what the guy murders this lady just in a rage. And then the, and the whole book is like him just coming unraveled 
I shouldn't say the whole book because I don't think I finished. But anyway, coming unraveled because the conscience is tearing apart there. There's fear. This is uh, it's it's horrible, and it's it's kind of this. So so, the shape of our fears really is definitive to our to our life and and when the lord comes along and says we should fear love and trust in god above all things there's an exclusiveness to that fear so it, and it's like this I, I think this is the this is the positive because we hear the fear of god and we only hear the negative but this is the positive side when the lord says you should fear me above everything else then then it, it, so imagine standing next to jesus and there's a line of things that are scary and um and they're and they're lined up in front of you and they come up to you and they say uh you should be scared of me and you look at jesus and you say and he says no don't be afraid of that so here comes death and death says you should fear me and we look at jesus and he says no you don't have to be afraid of that oh good then here comes the devil and he says you should be afraid of me and we look over at jesus and he says no you don't need to be afraid of him <laughs> i got to be and then and then here comes suffering and he says you should be afraid of me pain and loss we look over at Jesus and says, no, don't be afraid of that. And here comes poverty. Is it, you should be afraid of me. Jesus, look at Jesus. No, don't worry. Here comes, you get it, yeah, cancer and, and, and trouble and affliction and, and the Broncos having a losing season and everything. It just is in line and says, you should be afraid of this and you should be afraid of this. And, you should be, and we look at Jesus and says, no, 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 don't be afraid of me. And, you say, and at the end of the line, there's nothing left. You say, well, Jesus, who should I be afraid of? He says, me. Okay, um, uh, this is it. Don't fear the one who could destroy your body. To fear, fear the one who could destroy both body and soul. You're right. Okay. So, so we say, okay, I fear you. And then he says, okay, don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nothing to be afraid of. Look, I'm dead on the cross for you. I'm your savior. There's nothing to fear here. So perfect love cast out fear. So when we, when finally the fear of everything else is stripped away and the only thing left is the fear of God, then God says, hey, I'm nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> so there's no, so in the end, there's no fear at all. It's, that's so fantastic. Oh, it's Whew, that is okay. That well, is so really wonderful. So tell us then um, how we rightly understand then uh, the meanings of all the commandments that we should fear and love God. Uh, this is this. Uh, I don't think you'd say that this is something that only applies as a rebuke to the sinful nature. Uh, so here's my question: How does the new creation fear and love God? Well, so we do. I mean, we fear God, and then God is the one who says, "Now you don't need to be afraid." So, I, hey, I, I'm, I still fear God above everything else. I mean, here I am living this life. I don't want to upset God. I don't want to make God angry. I don't want to get on his bad side. I'm doing everything I can to not do that. And as I'm doing that, he comes along and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Okay, I'm afraid of still, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So this is just, this, uh, it's this kind of constant dynamic that's happening in our, in our life. And the fear of God will, will be transformed in the resurrection to be almost pure worship because hmm. there's no threat anymore. So, so the fear, the, 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 the worship of God, which is mixed in with fear now, will be purified. So the fear of God in, in the resurrection will just be pure adoration, a pure recognition of the greatness of God and the smallness of our own createdness. And, and, and that will lead us into a, a more profound awe when we see God's grace. Because, see, the, the, the fear of God is like the baseline for the love of God. God we, we, the fear of God tells us what God should do, when, and, the, and the gospel tells us what God has done. And because there's a contrast between what God should do and what God has done, our, our, our thanksgiving overflows, our, 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 our worship expands. We know God should wallop us, should toss us right into hell, and yet he, he sends all of the affliction on our, 
uh, for for our sins onto his son instead. Now, we we can't just look at the gospel and say, oh, yeah, of course, that's probably what God should have done all the way along. No. Or we can't look at God's smile and say, oh, yeah, I earned it or I deserved it or that's what it should be. No. So the, the fear of God tells us that it should be a frown on God's face. It's the gospel that tells us that there's not a frown. So the so the fear is like the baseline of God's justice, holiness, his the fact that he's the creator and we're the created. That's the baseline. And then the Lord uses that to surprise us, and that's where the love of God comes from. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that when I was listening to some NF. I mean, that, that exactly what you were saying came to mind, boom, when I was listening to this song. He says, hey, I'm in F. Is this me or the fear talking? What a dumb question. It's real music to the day we die, right? Yeah, ain't nothing but the slogan. They, there's something on here where he said, "You're gonna, I'm going to be with me until you die, and you ain't dead yet. So that, we're, so that kind of the fears of life are going to always – it's – it's part of our sinful nature to be afraid of things we shouldn't be afraid of and and to and have little fear, you know, like worry and anxiety. That's what Jesus says. Why are you, why are you worried about the things, what you're going to eat and drink and all this? That's what the pagans do. But this fear of whatever is just haunting us all of our lives until we die and we're set free from it in the resurrection. So that's going on here, too. So. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So this uh, this is it's kind of an interesting concept for a song uh, to to have this kind of ongoing conversation with uh, with fear, and uh, I mean uh, it seems like there's different modes going on in this song, but primarily it's the fear of uh, of not being able to be a successful artist anymore. I mean that I'm gonna. Uh, uh, not not uh not be popular not going to be on the stage uh, no one's going to buy my albums uh which is you know how this artist you know makes his living so i guess it could apply to any of our certain ways of living so to speak it was it's interesting that he uh, it's it talks about anger too it says um i wish i was burying anger but both of us i'm gonna, no i'm going to need him for that song hmm. he still lives in the basement almost done should have done it a year ago I don't know why I waited. You know how I get it. I put everything off my personal life. You hear what I'm saying? That was a joke. Hilarious, ain't it? So that you, I, you, we've got fear living in the basement, or sorry, anger living in the basement too. That's one of the elements, chief elements of the uh, rap genre, is that there's um there's kind of a rage kind of yeah. s- sitting behind there, and we want to make sure that that's that's going to the right spot because there is an there is a, a part of us anger and fear go together too but we want to make sure that that's directed rightly we we're not we're not authorized to be angry for example at another person uh at least not to to sit in to settle into a rage and a permanent anger with them we're supposed to settle accounts and all this sort of stuff 
Well, okay, so, so so we're very short on time, so it's probably a bad time to start changing the topic. But you know, so the Bible talk about be angry and do not sin. What does that look like? Yeah, well, there's a way that we look at right and wrong, and we we are angry at the wrong. We rejoice in what's right. When we see sin, there's a there's a righteous anger. But it, but then the question is, what's my vocation? What is there to do about it? And if it's sin in us, there's repentance. If there's sin in our, for example, our children, we want to have a loving discipline. If there's sin somewhere else, we, if I can if I can make things right, I want to make it right. But if I but if not, I don't I don't take justice into my own hands. So there's an anger of office and an anger of person. So if I have the office, for example, of sending someone to jail because I'm a judge, then I get angry and I send them to jail. But I don't have this personal rage that wants to destroy them. Ah, interesting. Good stuff. We'll have to talk about that again. But thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. The Peter Brown edition. 20,000 Table Talk Radio points to Peter Brown. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. 20,000 points to Peter, 500 points to Evan. 20,000 points to anybody who plans a whole show for us from now on, by the way. Halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.